you ever go downtown Pittsburgh, you will realize that Pittsburgh has three rivers. Yeah, that's not earth-shattering news, is it? But if you ever notice, if you ever got an aerial shot or you stand on Mount Washington looking on the rivers, you probably have seen that when the Allegheny and the Monongahela River come together to form the Ohio, there's a distinct line that tends to happen between the two rivers as they form the Ohio. And did you know why that happens? You know, that happens because of the different composites uh, that, ha- that are within that ri- those two rivers. They have different rock bottoms. And what we see at that point, what we see at that confluence, is the merging of two t- distinctly different rivers forming into one river. And it takes a while for those to blend together. You know, this world that we live in is the confluence of life. Different cultures, different backgrounds, different social statuses, different races, um, different sin struggles, you name it. We're all kind of thrown into the confluence of this world, the merge point of life. And this merge point of life and how we deal with the merge is critical. It is crucial in our ability to love and to love others. Because how we interact at this merge... How we interact at the confluence makes a huge difference. Let's be honest. When we get to merge points in life, we all deal with them differently. Let's just use your driving skills as an analogy. I mean, I'm sure I'm speaking to some of you right now. You know how you act when you, be, when you merge into traffic, whether you're in construction or coming onto 79 or the parkway off of a ramp or you're allowing people on. Some of you, when you get to those merge points, you just hit the brakes, and you're just like, go ahead, everybody just go. Go ahead. And then you have everybody behind you, like me, honking the horn. What are you doing? You just create this huge traffic jam. Some of you, you got your little New York driving skills that come out when you get to the merge points. I mean, you're almost colliding with the car in front of you because if, it will, if, if someone gets in front of you, I mean, no. This is like a game. That no one's merging in front of me. And you just ram your car right up, almost hitting the car in front of you because you will not allow another car to get in front of you. Some of you at the merge points, you know, you're going down the parkway. I've seen you. I know who you are. You just gun it down the sideline, right? And you're doing everything you can to be the first car in line. And you start cutting everybody off. How we merge on traffic represents, I think, a lot of times how we merge in life. Because we are at the confluence of this world, the merge point of life, different backgrounds, social statuses, races, sin struggles, and here we are at the confluence of life. And this merge point is crucial. It's crucial. It's crucial how we experience love and how we express love. It matters. You see, Jesus... He was at a time when cultures clashed at a significant rate. And throughout his journey in this world, in his walk, in this life, he revealed how we should interact, how we should conduct ourselves in the confluence of life. When the merge point happens, we should, what we should do and how we should interact with each other and how we should respond to people of different backgrounds, different struggles, and you name it. You know, in John chapter 4, we see a really good story that highlights the reality of this confluence of life how it merged together. In John chapter 4, it starts out, Jesus was on this journey. It was a hot day in Israel, like every other day. 
Jesus, on this long journey, was tired. And I love how the Bible prefaces this story by saying, on this journey, he had to go through Samaria. I think that is critical in understanding this story, that verbiage right there. Because it's critical because it highlights the reality of our own hearts. Because oftentimes, we're just like that. You know, in the Jewish day, they detested the Samaritan people. They did not want anything to do with them. They didn't want to be anywhere around them. And if they could go an extra mile to go around the Samaria village, they would. And the fact that the Gospels highlight Jesus and his crew had to go through Samaria, Samaria highlights the confluence of, this, of life, the reality of this merge point, the difficulties that we have within our own heart. Because I think oftentimes we struggle with this merge of life and we say, I don't like those people. And just like what Jesus dealt with that day, I don't want to go through that part of town. I don't want to go anywhere near that area. I don't want to associate with them. And that's a heart struggle, my friends. That's a heart struggle of what God might be trying to do for us and through us. But here Jesus was, smack dab in the middle of the point, the confluence of life. There he was in Samaria. He was by himself. The disciples went off to fetch food and whatever else from town. And Jesus, in all of his wearisome, tired body, he sat down at Jacob's well. Jacob's well was a very popular spot in that day and age. In fact, it still exists today. And, and the stream that provided the well, then still provides for the well today. It's truly a fascinating spot in the world. And there Jesus sat down. The Bible says it was noon and he was tired when the, the Samaritan woman came. It's kind of interesting that the Samaritan woman even came to draw water. Because the typical practice of the day was women would go draw water in groups and they would go draw water before the sun really came out, either early in the morning or later on in the afternoon. The fact that this woman was by herself getting water in the middle and the hottest part of the day kind of spoke volumes that there's something else going on in her life. There's something else happening that she's by herself in this moment. And Jesus sitting there on the wall, in John chapter 4, verse 8, the Bible just says that Jesus reached out and said, can you give me some water? Simple request. Doesn't seem like any earth-shattering interaction. And then in verse 9, this happens. The Samaritan woman said to him, that's Jesus, You're a, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. See, at the confluence of life, at this particular merge point, this woman revealed the brokenness that is in our world, the brokenness that's within our own heart, the barriers that we tend to build. I think we do a pretty good job in our world 
from the beginning of time to now, it's always been the same. But we as people do a pretty good job at building walls, at creating barriers. Whether it's culturally or socially or economically or whatever it may be, we build these barriers. And here at this merge point of life, this woman was revealing to Jesus the barriers of the day. How are you even associating with me? Don't you understand who I am? The barriers that exist within our world, you shouldn't be talking to me. You know, and the fact that the Bible highlights that Jews do not even associate with, with Samaritans is critical. It's, it's a crucial statement because this is a strong statement that the Bible is actually saying they won't even eat the, after the, on the plate if they touch the plate. It's basically what those words say. They won't go anywhere near them. They won't touch anything they touched. But then there was Jesus. There was Jesus. And he broke through the barriers of the day. And he breaks through the barriers of our day as well. You know, he reached out and just asked for a drink. He takes the first step. Love always takes the first step. It always does. And he did not allow the cultural barriers to restrict him from associating with her. He knew them. He knew what those barriers were within the culture. He knew exactly what he was doing. But he did not allow the barriers of the day to hold him back or restrict him from taking the first step of love. Can we just be honest with each other for a moment? What cultural barriers, what social barriers do we have that's holding us back from expressing the love of God? At some level, we all do. We're all infected by that, and we need to be honest with it. What barriers do we tend to have? Or look within your own heart. I have to look within my own heart all the time. What barriers have I allowed in my life that has caused me and restricted me from really expressing the love of God? How am I dealing with this merge point of life? How am I dealing with that? Because it matters. You know, sometimes we allow ourselves and we're okay with associating with people, but we add on restrictions. Like, I'll come around you if, I'll talk to you if. In so many ways, we're just simply influenced by our culture, and we need to be completely honest with ourselves and with individually and collectively. My friends, we are in a culture war. We're in a culture war like none other. Jesus was in a culture war. Every generation is at a war within its own culture that's fought behind the scenes as a spiritual battle. And as followers of Jesus, our weaponry is love. That's how we operate within the confluence of life. When the merge point happens, how we love matters. It matters. What that means matters. You know, right away in this story, we see the cultural restrictions. This woman was a Samaritan. And because of her nationality, Jesus, culturally speaking, socially speaking, should not even be interacting with her. But there he was. There he was. Add on the fact that she was a woman, and in that day and age... 
That made her second class. But there Jesus was, taking the first step. Taking the first step at this merge point of life. See, Jesus broke down all the cultural barriers. My friends, we need to understand that love is not influenced by social barriers or cultural norms. That is not what influences us. Our love for others, how we experience love and how we express love should never be influenced by social barriers or cultural norms. It was not for Jesus. It was not for Jesus. There was something deeper. There was something working more behind the scenes that drove his love. And we need, at times, we need to do a heart check. How has this culture that we currently live in affected me? How's it affected you? We need to ask these questions because at some level, we are affected by our culture. We are. And how that affects us kind of dictates often how we respond to others and how we respond to God. And we need to be real with that. Who are the people that you're unwilling to associate with? Or how do you treat others differently? And who do you treat differently? And why do you do that? We need to work through those questions because we're all at the merge point of life. And our ability to experience his love and express his love matters at this merge point. It makes a difference. Jesus and his love broke through the social restrictions and cultural restrictions. He took the first step. Love's first step is saying, I am willing to associate with you. Seems so easy, doesn't it? Seems so elementary, but yet so often in our life, we don't live that out. Love's first step is saying, I am, will, I am willing to associate with you. Breaks through those barriers. And then Jesus moved on from there. And he does things so amazingly as he uses her questions to guide her towards truth. In John 4.10, Jesus answered her back after she kind of highlighted, how are you even associating with me? And then Jesus answered her and said, if you knew the gift of God... Who it is that asks you for a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. If you knew. Those words, if you knew, pierces my heart. Because I think so often in my life, and maybe it's true for your journey as well. That we need to, that I just wrestle with that. If I only knew. If I only realized the gift that God truly has for me. What he provides. You see, I think we really struggle with our ability to, ability to experience his love and express his love because we have dumbed down the reality of the gift that he has for us. His love for us in this world and his love that gives us eternity with him in his kingdom. Yet we've dumbed down the gift that he gives to us thinking that this world is better than what he actually provides. And I think Jesus, just like he asked that woman, he asks us, if you knew, if you just knew my gift, if you just understood fully what I have for you, 
you wouldn't be asking this, this question. You would understand there's something more than this. Do you know the gift of God? Do you truly comprehend what he has for you in your life? In this life and for all eternity. There in that moment, Jesus asked this woman at the well, if you only knew, if you only knew you'd be getting something more, your focus would be differently. And then he took this, this line of questioning and this, and this dialogue to a whole new level, beginning in verse 13. And Jesus answered her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, in this moment, what Jesus is saying is everything in this world, everything in this world that you've been trying to chase, that you've been trying to go after, that you've been longing for or trying to obtain to satisfy whatever brokenness, emptiness, you name it in your own heart, guess what? It never lasts. We try so often to fulfill ourselves with what is physical, yet God has something greater. It's, we see things like the well for the woman, and we think the water will satisfy. And Jesus says, I have something so much more. You see, Jesus broke through the cultural barriers, the social barriers, to get to the ultimate barrier, the elephant in the room that nobody wants to go to, nobody wants to talk about, nobody wants to deal with. That's the sin barrier. That's ultimately what Jesus is trying to get to. See, this is where grace is guided by truth. The common misconception, I think, in our world today has been that love is just the acceptance of that person. You know, just kind of stop the traffic, the merge traffic, go on, be who you want. Do whatever you want to do. You know, it's okay just, you know, just so that we can be happy and get along. And we think that's love. But that's not love. Every interaction that Jesus had, every merge point that he had within the Gospels, his love guided towards truth. Every time, every interaction, his heartbeat was towards his heart, his truth, his standards, his grace guided towards truth. His love was never stagnant. Jesus' love never stood still. You know, for a body of water that becomes stagnant, meaning it has nothing pouring into it and nothing pouring out of it, and it just becomes a still body of water, a stagnant body of water, that body of water over time gets nasty and disgusting and disruptive and unhealthy for the environment. It does. Healthy bodies of water needs to move. And the same is true with our love. You see, stagnant love is not healthy love. Stagnant love is not healthy in any way, shape, and form. God's love is not just stand still and just simply exist in this world. God's love moves towards something. Stagnant love does not represent who Jesus is or what he revealed or what he was all about. 
Stagnant love is just existing. Stagnant love is just, I'm just going to do my best just to get along. And stagnant love is destructive. Over time, the unhealthiness of stagnant love destroys. It destroys everything around it. And with every interaction, Jesus was grace and truth. Grace and truth. Every time we saw Jesus interact with somebody in the Bible, he was grace that guided towards truth. Every time. Deep down, this Samaritan woman, she was hiding something. She was hiding something. It's the reason she was at that well in the middle of the day by herself. And I'm sure all of her nonverbal communication was just speaking loud and clear to Jesus. I'm sure he was reading it because the Bible teaches us that everything within your own heart comes out. We cannot hide our true heart. We just can't. Jesus said that. How we act, how we interact, how we communicate, it reveals what's going on within our heart. And I believe Jesus was just watching her, seeing, I see your heart. I see your heart. See, we're not really dealing with the, the, the cultural barriers. We're dealing with the sin barrier that's within your own heart. And still not getting it, this woman, when she finally realized that this man must be something special, she said, well, I want the living water. I don't ever want to have to walk to this well again. I, I want water that will just always keep me satisfied so I don't have to go thirsty again. And then Jesus answered, all right then. Go get your husband. In this moment, Jesus began to deal with the sin barrier. Because the woman said, uh, I'm sorry, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, I know. Actually, you have five husbands. And actually, the guy you're with right now, he's not your husband either. Let's, let's just be honest. In this moment, she was calling out his sin. Or, or he was calling out her sin. In this moment, he was dealing with the heart. See, Jesus tears down all the barriers. He walks in grace and truth at the confluence of life, ultimately get to the heart. That's where he's trying to get to. And my friends, love deals with all the barriers. It does. If we want to walk in love like Jesus walked in love, we need to be willing at the merge point to deal with all the barriers, the cultural barriers, the social barriers, the economic barriers, and the sin barriers. We, like Jesus, need to be willing to walk in grace and truth. The heart of Jesus' message with this woman is that, listen, we all got barriers in our life, every one of us. And this cultural and social and economic barriers, you know what they do? They restrict us from associating with other people. They hold us back from being who God called us to be in other people's lives. They restrict us from interacting. That's a problem. But then the sin barrier restricts us from fully associating with God and all that he has. Every barrier has a problem in our relationships, whether it's relationships with others or our relationship with God. And God is all about at the merge point of life, at the confluence of this world, to break through every barrier to get to our heart. And when we're at the confluence of life, when we're at these merge points, we are his vehicle of that love. 
in this world. Jesus said to this woman, you know, it's all about your focus, about what you worship. In other words, he's telling her, you know, your focus is on everything else but God. You're trying to satisfy yourself with everything else physically but God. You know, one of the biggest breakdowns in our world is when mankind begins to run towards themselves rather than the heart of God. And that's what happens within cultures. That's how barriers are developed. When we as a people and as individuals focus more about running towards ourself, trying to satisfy our life with anything we can gravitate towards, rather than running to the heart of God, we miss out. And we cause other people to miss out. You know, think about it. How you experience God's love, how you walk in his love, how you walk in grace and truth is like the rivers in downtown Pittsburgh. You know, the two rivers colliding together. You see the divide within the rivers. But over time, guess what? They mesh together to form the Ohio. And in our journey, too, we need to figure out how we bring our walk in grace and our walk in truth as they collide together. What does that mean? What does that look like? See, Jesus said we need to adjust our focus to, and our adoration towards his heart. You see, Jesus told the woman at the well, you're worshiping all the wrong things. What has your heart is all the wrong stuff because it pulls your focus away from me. And whatever consumes your focus has your heart mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And Jesus is telling her, I want your heart. He puts it this way in John 4, 24. He says, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and truth. That means all my attention, all my focus, my mind and my heart is running towards him. And as a vehicle of his at the confluence of life, I am called to figure out how to walk in grace and truth. I can help other people adjust their focus to run towards him rather than themselves. It's the blending together of two rivers. The blending together of what is physical and what is spiritual. But when the merge point happens, when grace and truth collide, that's where it, that's where it really gets hard. Sometimes some of us at the merge point we go heavy extreme on grace. And I get it. I mean, because grace is, I love you, I care about you, I'm here for you. And grace is kind of, I'm going to hit the brake pedal and just kind of go on. But we confuse grace with just getting along. And just going all with grace, heavy on grace, completely on grace, it's not biblical healthiness. Some of us go to the other extreme where we're all truth. You know, we kind of gun it. And we're like, I'm going to fight for every inch I have. You're not merging in front of me. And we live a life where we then build these walls built upon truth. Meaning, we start pushing people away. Maybe we become a little legalistic. Maybe we're like, I'm not going to associate with you until you get over whatever that is. This is not biblical healthiness. At some point, we need to figure out the walk that Jesus walked 
Grace and truth blended together. That's not an easy walk. I get that. But we're at the confluence of life. And every interaction you have with somebody else is a merge point opportunity. That as followers of Jesus, we're called to not just experience his love, but walk out his love in grace and truth. That's what we're called to do. You see, ultimately, my friends, love is the coexistence of grace and truth. That's what it is. That's what it is. To experience the fullness of God's love, to express the fullness of God, is to figure out how do I walk, how do I live out the coexistence of grace and truth in my journey, in my life, in my merge points. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament actually gave a really good blueprint how we can do that, how we can walk this out. Check this out in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul wrote, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. See, here's the blueprint Paul gave to us how we can try to take steps in walking through these merge points with grace and truth. Did you catch it? Love is revealed in patience and kindness. It's willing to associate with them in patience and kindness. Love is not self-seeking. Love does not run after what's in it for me, what's best for me, what do I want. Love is other people focus and it does not tear other people down in humility we build others up love does not delight in evil we don't celebrate evil we don't celebrate bad choices we don't celebrate things that are opposite the heart of god but it says love rejoices in truth that's where we guide people towards he says love never gives up it never fails Love is always trying to protect. Love is always trying to trust. Love is always hoping. And love is always always persevering. There's the roadmap. How we can find the ability to walk successfully at these merge points of how to walk grace and truth. But we're in the confluence. We can't escape it. It's no worth hiding from it but we're called to go and to be, to experience his love and to express his love. We're called to walk this walk that Jesus did in grace and truth. So at your merge points, how will you respond? How will you respond? Will you associate with others? Will you take the first step Will you walk that hard walk of grace and truth? What will you do? Let's pray together. Father, in this moment we just run towards you. Lord, sometimes it's just we look at this world and we know we're right in the middle of this point, the confluence of life. And so often it's, we just want to run and hide and not deal with it. We just want to exist until you call us home. But Lord, 
you never called us just to exist. You never called us just to walk a, a, a love that's stagnant. You called us to walk with love that's moving, that's in action, that figures out how to walk in grace and truth. Oh, we'll mess it up at times, many times. But Lord God, because of your grace, and if we just keep stepping forward, you'll guide us towards the right path. Lord, help us to be what you called us to be at every merge point, that we may not only experience your love, <clears throat> but we may successfully express your love in grace and truth. It's in your name we pray. Amen.